I've uh, become distinctly aware this week of the importance of making people feel welcome in our church. You might have noticed this morning there was someone new standing up here in the front, and many of you don't know my grown children. Uh, Landon is my most grownest child. And he was the tall guy here on the electric guitar. And uh, he and his family have moved back to Marshville to start a new job in Springfield this week. And we are, for the first time in our career, we'll be having our grandchildren with us in church. And that began to... I realized that this morning and it weighed heavy on me. And... uh, and I want you to make my son feel welcome. And I, as I thought about that, I thought somebody else is new here today. And it's somebody else's son or somebody else's daughter. And I would want you to make them feel welcome too. Mostly because it's God's child. And he seeks for them to feel welcome here. So not just my own son, but anybody you see that you don't know. There's somebody's son, somebody's daughter, probably somebody that's being prayed for somewhere, praying that they would be welcomed at a church somewhere. And so I would pray that you would do that. I know that you do, but uh, I, want you, I want to pray that you, that you will. And uh, we look forward to having many of you with us. Uh, I want us to stand this morning. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. I am a, uh, as a pastor, you want to preach and you, and, and there's always a time of response somehow or another. And sometimes we open the altars for the response and sometimes the response is, I just need to let that soak in and, and, and do it lived out. And sometimes there's a kneeling response and sometimes there's just a response in your life. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I love to preach and, and see people respond. I love the, re- the response at the altars. I love response at the altars. I do. I just, I think it's very important for the church. I think it's important for us to have that time. And as I was preaching this, going through this message, a message that I felt like the Lord had for us today, I was like, Lord, this is not a response type message this is this is i'm preaching to the church today and i and i said lord i wish i wish we could have i just knew that there was not a response time it was something you're going to have to do in your own heart and then the lord good and he's he's very hum he humbles me because he don't need me to have response he don't need me at all and so i I want so much for him to continue to work. And so this morning I'm preaching to uh, the church and what God has for us in these next few weeks as we are beginning a different ministry in our church that we do. And I want our heart to be right. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the temptations of ministry. So let's read this together and then we're going to go to the scripture, Matthew chapter 4. I've hidden my... Wait... I've hidden my brain in my 
back pocket so I can't read. Okay. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read the first 11 verses. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just getting ready to go and start his ministry. And he faces these temptations, and this is the temptations of one who is going to reach out to people. So keep that in your mind as next week, next Sunday afternoon, we seek to reach out to people. What might the temptations be in that? And so let's, uh, let's pray. I mean, let's read. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray today that we as a church would hear what the temptations of doing ministry are and help us to do it with your heart and with your motives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, these are the temptations of Jesus. And if you get into ministry and take part in ministry, which we want everybody at some time to become part of what we do here. And when you think about temptations, I got to tell you, the temptations that Jesus faces are not the temptations that I think are the ones that are the worst trouble in the world today. If I ask you, what do you think the big temptations of the world are? I don't think either, none of these would be really uh, in the top ones. I think about uh, uh, greed. Uh, I think about uh, drugs and alcohol. And those are the things that we talk about. Money, lust, and those kinds of things. And, and when we think about temptation in the world we live in, I mean, uh, we, we spent... I drove the ladies down to Nashville this week and I spent some time driving. You can't even drive down the highway and not see things that you shouldn't be looking at. There's billboards and stuff that you have to like, oh, I can't look at that or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so, but, but these temptations that Jesus faced were not like those kinds of temptations. So we have to think, what do we need to learn from these temptations? And this was someone, Jesus was going to go into ministry, spread the word of God. So these are temptations that those who are going into and seeking to spread God's word, these are temptations that we're going to face. 
And uh, so think about it. He's been by himself for 40 days. He set aside 40 days to fast and pray. Now we've been talking about our, we've been fasting and we've asked you to set aside 16 meals and I hope that you're taking part in that. But think about this, this Jesus set aside 40 days, 40 days he set aside to pray and fast to seek God. And I want to ask you this morning, we're getting ready to head into uh, an event where we seek to evangelize. Are you fasting and praying? I don't want you to raise your hand. But I'm asking you, this next week, what would happen if you set aside several days to fast and pray for what God wants to do next Sunday afternoon? My uh, son-in-law is a pastor over at Nevada, and he had the preacher from down at Ava come and do him a revival this last week. And he said, the pastor asked him to fast and pray and said they really did it. And said, and we just had the best revival we had ever had. He said, imagine that. When we fast and pray, God works. But what would happen if we fasted and prayed? What might happen next week? I don't know. I have no idea what will happen next Sunday. But I do know this, that if we fast and pray, God's going to be in it. And that's what we need to seek to be doing. And so, so this is what has happened. Jesus has denied himself. And, and if we're going to do ministry, we really need to deny ourselves. And we deny ourselves and we become, and if you don't know our motto, our motto or our mission statement or whatever that is you call it, is becoming Christ-like for the sake of others. I become like Christ for others. Not becoming a better preacher for others, not becoming a better salesman, a better teacher, a better father, a better mother, a better businessman, a better employee. Our first job is I become Christ-like. And then everything else flows out of that. Our first mission is for ourselves to become Christ-like. And I don't make myself Christ-like. I allow Christ to make me Christ-like. It's not me doing better. It's a transformation in my life. It's allowing Jesus to transform me. And the temptation is that I just do, do better myself. Today I'm going to decide and I'm going to do better. I'm going to quit doing the things I've been doing (coughs) and I'm going to be better. I'm going to kick this habit by myself. I'm going to stop being the way that I'm being and I'm going to do it myself. And that's the temptation. Just lower lower your head and I'm going to do better. And that is not what the message of Jesus is. The message of Jesus is not trying harder. The message of Jesus is transformation. It's not being better, it's being new. It's being different. It's being completely changed. It's not, well, I don't do these things anymore because I'm trying hard. It's I don't do these things anymore because Christ lives in me and he has transformed me and I don't want to do those things anymore. And that's what we're seeking. And and we're not into the self-help business. We're into the transformation business. I think sometimes in the church we forget that and we and and it's easy to do because we want to come along and try to help people but folks we're not interested in helping and we want to help I help just ask the Lord to help you understand what I'm saying we want to help but we really seek life transformation that's what God seeks and that's what God asks and God asks for us not to be better people he asks us to be Christ-like and people aren't Christ-like I mean, you can walk around and don't have to get around very long, very around many, very many people and find out lots of people aren't Christ-like. 
And God doesn't tell us to be good human beings. God tells us to have the holy God living in us to where we become Christ-like. To where the way we respond to people is Christ responding to people instead of responding the way we respond to people. And I got to tell you, I mean, I've been, I was driving to Nashville for the last four days. It's hard to be Christ-like. I'm going to tell you what. It's just, man, there's people everywhere. And they just, you know. These ladies, you know, we had from five to seven. Oh, we need to go eat. We need to go eat. You know. I was like, okay. You know, and the pastor, one of the pastors there that was on staff said, don't go downtown. Don't you go downtown. Oh, we want to go downtown. <laughs> you know, so I'm, you know, I'm the bus driver. You know, I, I don't, I, when, when I, I take my pastor hat off and I put my bus driver hat on and I just go where I'm told. All right. Well, I get down there and I mean, it's just a disaster. I mean, there are people everywhere. You know, Nashville would be a nice place. If there wasn't no people. It'd be great. And there's no parking anywhere, especially for that people mover. You know, it's twice as long as a normal car and 15 times as wide. And so they got this one place where you can go pay to park. And so I foolishly pull in there. And as soon as I pull in, I realize I don't think I can get out. And it was just by the grace of God that there was two cars not parked in this one spot. And the one guy tried to park in there and I came around there and he saw that I couldn't make the corner. And so he pulled out and parked somewhere else. Well, I parked and I took up two parking spots, you know, and I thought, okay, we'll, we'll be all right. This will be okay. So I get up there and I'm, I'm paying for my parking 25 bucks to park. Good night. So I swiping the card and all these people are behind me and I'm, I'm, I'm nervous anyway because I know I'm double parked and usually they have numbers on there and you can enter the number of the spaces and I was going to enter two spaces and, and they wouldn't let you do that. It was just one space and you put, and there's people behind me and they were all going, you're some kind of hillbilly. Have you not seen one of these things? And, and so, I, so I, anyway, so I just get one ticket and I put it on there and, and so we go, we go to the place to eat. And it says right there, man, if you, if you don't pay for your parking, they're going to haul you off. They're going to tow your car or put one of them wheel locks on there or whatever, you know. And so I'm just, I don't enjoy my dinner at all. I'm just sitting there worried. I'm sweating all the time. Get back. I got a ticket. I got a ticket. A $75 ticket. It cost me 100 bucks to park that stupid van. So you know what we did? We took up an offering. That's what we did. <laughs> I told, I told them ladies, y'all going to pony up for this one. But I was, man, I was, I was trying to be Christ-like in the middle of the whole thing, you know. And I was, I was worried. And I was like, God, you're gonna, you can get me in here. And, and you know, I'm going to tell you, I feel sorry for anybody to put a ticket on a church van. Man, God's going to rain down on them. I mean... I wouldn't be walking. I wouldn't be walking by. I mean, who is it? It says, I'm going to give you a ticket, a nonprofit organization. I'm going to give you a ticket. I'm at, I hope God, well, I hope he stepped in dog poop or something. <laughs> oh, wait, that was not Christ-like, is it? In Jesus' name, I hope he did. No, but, but God, wants us to, God wants us to be Christ-like. And so God's got God's to change us to be like that, you know? And he, he wants to transform us. So we have to be like God. And so Jesus is just getting ready to start his ministry. And I want you to see 
what the temptations of ministry is. Because next week, we're going to be doing ministry. And there's lots of people that do ministry throughout the church. And, and, and sometimes some of you uh, come and, and are part of when we do big ministry. And I want you to know what the temptations are in this. And so the first temptation is turn the stones into bread. Well, Jesus had a pressing need. And the pressing need was he needed food. He was hungry. Most of us have no real idea what real hunger is. Real hunger is when you don't have any food and you don't have any hope of getting any food. All right? Now, we cannot eat. And we can, we can say we're not going to eat. And we can get hungry. But we always know if we get in a real bind, we've got a whole pantry that we can go to. I mean, most of you here today have something in your pantry. Ours are nearly bare, but I got three cans of Vienna sausages. So I know that I'm going to be able, you know, in the back of my mind, if things get bad, I got some Vienna sausages to go to. Hungry, real hunger is, I haven't ate anything. And when I do get ready to eat, I don't know where it's going to be come from. And this is where Jesus is. He's, he's out in the desert and he's got nothing here. And so the temptation for Jesus here is to fix the problem for his own good. Is to be relevant is what I call being relevant. And it is, it's this great temptation in the church is to be relevant, to get what we want now instead of what would be better later. The, the, the temptation is that we use what we can do. And Jesus, Jesus had, the, had the talent of changing stone into bread. He could do that. That was not outside his skill set. He could do it. And the temptation is do it for your own glory. Do it for yourself. Do ministry. Do this ministry for yourself. And that's the temptation that we have. Do we rely on what we can do more than what God can do? To do things in our own time, in our own power, even good things. But when we operate it out of our strengths and out of our will and not waiting on God's power or time. We don't do things, we don't do ministry just to be relevant, just to show how godly we are. Do you know what the temptation here was? If you're God, if you're God, do this, okay? And, and the world comes to us and says, if you're godly, if you're really godly, if your church, the temptation of the church is just to show how godly we are. There's sometimes there's a temptation in church that says, we're going to do this so that everybody will see how godly we are. That is not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to proclaim the word of God. It was not the mission of Jesus to go around and say, oh, look, watch this. I turned a stone into bread. See how godly I am? Jesus said, my mission is to spread the word of Jesus. Okay? So we don't do things to prove that we are godly. And that's a temptation that we have. The second temptation was to do something spectacular to prove that you're godly. The second temptation for Jesus, throw yourself off the cliff and, and the angels will come get you just to show that you're God. In the church, there, there, there is this, there's this growing uh, need to do the next spectacular thing. It's throughout society. Emergency rooms around the country are full of people trying to do the next spectacular thing and put it on YouTube. There are cemeteries in this country that are filled with people whose last words was, hey, watch this. 
and tried to do something spectacular and it didn't work out so well. And so there is this need, especially in the society we live in, and even among churches, to do the next spectacular thing to prove that we are godly. And we are in the ch- we in the church are sometimes to we we think we need to prove our Christianity, and Jesus would not do this. Now later, Jesus made food. He made bread. Later, Jesus did spectacular things. He walked on water. He healed people. He did spectacular things, but he did not do them to prove himself. He did them to spread the word of Jesus. So we don't do ministry to prove that we're godly. We do ministry to spread the word. And they were tempted, and and this this is what he was tempted to do. And this is what we are tempted to do, to prove we are godly. And we don't do things to prove we're godly. We do things because God is in us. Jesus' mission was to proclaim the word. The first temptation, who, who would that proclaim the word to? No one. No one's around. The only person it would have helped would have been Jesus. Okay? We are not here to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We are in ministry to proclaim the word of Jesus. The the first temptation would have only fed Jesus' own ego. Jesus didn't think, hey, I'm God. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you up. It, it, It would have been easy for him to do that, but he didn't do that. Ministry is not for the benefit of the church. Ministry is for the benefit of others. You understand that? So understand that next week and this week when you're, you know, we still got flyers to hand out. And so if you would like to, if you've handed out flyers and you'd like to hand out some flyers again, that is not for the benefit of you to say, hey, guess what I did this week? I handed out flyers. Aren't I great? That's not it. The benefit is for those who get the flyers, for those who actually need something. Ministry is always out and never in for us. Now, is, does, does ministry help us too? Yes. But that is not our main goal. Our main goal is about Jesus. If Jesus does something spectacular to prove that he is God, who would have benefited from that? Just him. And Jesus never does ministry just to benefit himself. Jesus could have fed, think about this, he could have fed every hungry village that he walked into. He could have healed every sick person he saw. He could have raised every dead person in the cemetery. And who would it have brought attention to? Just himself and not to God. Jesus only does things when it brings people to a knowledge of knowing who God is. And it spreads the word. So we do only things that are to the glory of God. I've always thought about when we get into... uh, talking about Resurrection Sunday and Good Friday when Jesus is on the cross and those guys are there making fun of him and and saying, if you're really God, come off the cross. Man, what would you have done? I'd have just, I'd have jumped off and been right in their face. But Jesus doesn't do things for his own glory. Jesus had to stay on the cross for who? Me and you And we don't do things for ourselves. We do things for God. And we do things for the benefit of others. And the temptation of the church is to do things that are relevant, that are relevant, not irrelevant. Do things that are relevant. We give away cars and turkeys. And and this December, I had a guy call me this week. 
This is how awesome you folks are. I had a guy call me this week. He says, I got two pigs. And he said, they're, they're ready to be butchered. He said, I'm going to butcher them. And he said, I'm going to give them to the church. And all through December, we're going to give away pork to people that need it. Three months. We're going to have three months of giving. November, December, and January. That's the kind of people you are. But we don't do that to say, aren't we great? Thank God for me. That's not how we work. It's about others. It's about others. And it must be an easy temptation to fall into because it's the first two temptations that Jesus faces. Ministry has temptations to go about doing things for your own sake. And that makes Christianity turn into a contest. And when did, we, when did, we, when did our church become our team? And churches set out to do better than other churches. That's not what God has called us to. God has not called us to say, well, look what our church is doing. Aren't we great? That's not what God has called us to. This is not your team. You know, if you have a team, I don't really have a team. My wife has a team. She likes the Chiefs. And she's always for the Chiefs and whoever's playing the Broncos and the Raiders. Okay? And that's who she's for. All right? Always. And, and if church is our team, then, then we're just for our team, and we're not for any other team. And we don't want any other. And that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to, to do the best we can in our church, and then to pray and encourage the, the churches around our town, to encourage the, the Baptists and the Methodists and, and the, all, all the others, to encourage them. We're not against each other. We are on the same team. We're not in competition with other churches. We are together. And we aren't trying to outdo each other. We're seeking to, you know, what we're seeking to do is defeat Satan. That's what God has called us to. And And the temptation is that we make it about ourselves. And if we make it about ourselves, then we don't defeat Satan. And so I have a challenge to you. Because it's real easy next Sunday for us to stand and greet people and they all come in and we sing together and we preach and we open the door and they go out the door and it's real easy to shake their hand and hand them a turkey and then get down and go I'm so awesome aren't I great and wasn't that pat each other on the back and just watch it's real easy to just watch ministry that day and and I've been convicted this year that I don't want us to just watch ministry next Sunday I want us to get in and I'm going to ask you to do something different than we have done in the past now do I think we've done it with the right heart I absolutely believe I believe we've we've I think we've done I mean we've only done three of them and we didn't know how to do it before and we're learning as we go along and I think Lord told taught me something new this week as I've been thinking about that because usually what happens is we get everybody in here and if you're not familiar with this I'm very sorry but this is for our church today and this is what God's laid on my heart so that's what I'm going to do but I think sometimes everybody gets in here and we kind of sit to the side and just watch. And God has not called us to sit to the side and watch. God's called us to get up in the middle of people's lives and to be part of that. 
And so this year, I've counted, and, and if you do these four sections, there's about 40 rows. And I'm going to ask 40 people to get out of your comfort zone. And, and I want you to take a row. Maybe you and your wife take a row. And as people come in, I want you to invite them to come and sit in your row. And usually before we take the cards and we give them to our ushers and, and they just hand them out, I want those people in every row to have those cards, those turkey cards. And I want you to personally get information from every family on your row. And then I want you to sign that card so we'll know that you know who those people are. And, you'll, and we'll know that those are the people that you met. And I don't want you to just sign their card and say, okay, I want you to know their names. I want you to know what their prayer needs are. If they have needs right there, I want you to pray for the people in your row. And then when the, when the program's going on, I want you to sit there in that row with them. And I want you to be the, you don't have to be the best singer, but I want you to sing like you love Jesus. And you better love Jesus. Don't fake it. Love Jesus. So they can say, okay, this is what we do. And then when it's done, I want you to lead your row out. And you be there with them when they're handing out the turkeys. And you be the last person that shakes their hand and say, man, I'm glad I got to go to church with you today. Instead of just watching, I want us to get in the middle of it. It's going to take 40 people or 40 couples to do this. And that's going to push you. That's, that's you sitting in the middle of, of 10 people you don't know and, and trying to get information from them and trying to figure out who they are. And then I don't want you just to say, well, I did my good deed for the day and go home. I'd like for you to remember who you talked to and, and the next week call them and say, hey, you know, I was, I was with you. I sat in that row with you at the turkey giveaway and I just wanted to call you and I know that you had these needs and, and I want you to know I'm praying for you. Instead of standing back and watching ministry, I, want us to, I think God is calling us to get up in the middle of people and really care. And really care. And that's, it's easier to watch, isn't it? But God's calling us to more than that. Because it's not about turkeys, and it's not about cars, and it's not about meat. It's about finding out what's going on in your life. And where could God come in and transform it? Because there's going to be people here. There's going to be people here who love Jesus. No doubt about it. Lots of people. We're just being a blessing to everybody. But there's going to be a lot of people here who need the transforming work of God in their life. And they need somebody to show them how to do that. And show them how that, what that means. So I'm going to give you a week to pray about that. I probably should have you sign up. But I'm going to wait till next Sunday. And trust that there's going to be 40 people or 40 couples who will say, I'll take, a, I'll take a row. Now, some of these short ones up here, you might take two rows. Some of them long ones back there, people are already saying, I don't want that long one, you know, because then I'd have to talk to like 20 people. Oh, no, what would happen if I had to talk to 20 people? Somebody might figure out that you love Jesus. How many of you have come to our church because the first time you came was from the turkey giveaway? I know there's several over in this. Raise your hand. I just want to see your hand. Some of you. Floyd. First time they came in was through the turkey giveaway. You know, if we hadn't done that, they'd probably never be here. And I'm so glad you're here. Aren't you glad Floyd's here? Ray's here. Marty's back there and his wife. 
Some of them, very first time, some of them joined our church. We got some from Niangua that aren't here this morning, but the first time they came was at the turkey giveaway. And God has brought transformation into some of their lives. Some of them were already saved, but just hadn't found a church. And then they came here and thought, you know, it's not the best church in town, but it's as good as I can going to get. So they just stayed. You know? You just keep coming back. Ray is disappointed every week, but he just keeps coming back. Ray's my friend. I met Ray through a turkey giveaway. And he's now part of our church. And you know, there may be some families out there that need some... We have started relationships with families that still don't go here all the time. But every now and then, when they come, they come here. I'm thinking of a little family that I love. And they'll show up every now and then. But you know what? If they needed a church family, you know where they'd call? Marshfield. And we may not be their close family, but we're all they have. And if someone died in their family, or if they had a real need, you know who they'd call? Us. And it may take a while, but I think that one day they're going to be part of our church. And so next week, you're going to be ministering. You're going to be doing the ministry. And so let the Lord do that. This past week, while I was gone, on Wednesday night, you guys were here. And you know what? Ministry doesn't.